she's always trying to upstage me. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with my foot. <laughs> she's got one. I've got one. <laughs> right. Nice and warm in here, eh? Mm -hmm. All the bodies. Oh, the bodies. Nice, thank you. <laughs> How are you feeling? Yeah? Rock and roll. Kia ora koutou. Ta alofa lava maalo e lelei whaka alofa lahi atu. Ulevinaka kiorana. And welcome to Fast Burning Women. Um, this session is supported by the National Library of New Zealand. Thank you very Yay! much. Yay! And by Auckland University Press. Yay! Yay! <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm Tessiata Avia. Um, and what do I need to tell you? There will be a Q&A at the end. There will be a roving mic. So you can all just like fight over it. Um, there'll be a book signing at the end in the foyer. And of course, you'll all be lining up fighting for copies of Selena's book. And um, of course, make sure that your phones are on silent because that's very important. And anyone whose phones Oh, shit. <laughs> Hello? Hey, buddy. What you doing? Oh, oh you know, I'm just, um, I'm just doing the session at, um, you know, Christchurch Word. Okay, well, so, I'm about to go for a run, so I'll call okay. you when I cross the river. All right. Make sure that you keep your earbuds in, though. I will. I um, will. Yeah, okay. All Talk right, go later. well for your okay. session. Bye. Okay, thanks. Bye. <laughs> so, so turn those babies off. It is relevant to our session. It comes back later. <laughs> okay, so for those of you who don't know Selena Tustalamash, um, I'm going to read some of the bio from the back of her most recent book, Tightrope, which was published last year. And long-listed, right, for um, the Ockhams, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, okay, so, Galena Tustalamash is of Samoan, Tuvaluan, English, and French descent. She was the first Pacific Islander to graduate with a PhD in English from the University of Auckland and is now an associate professor in the English department specialising in Pacifica literature. Her first collection, the best-selling Fast-Talking P.I., won the Jesse McKay Award for Best Book of Poetry in 2010. She represented Tuvalu at the, not the London Olympics, no, the London <laughs> Olympics Poetry Parnassus <laughs> event, although I think, I don't know, maybe they could be talking to you about your running for Olympics. Um, I, just, just saying that I represented Samoa for weightlifting. Um, her work has been translated into Ukrainian and Spanish. And she is all over the place. Um, also, just to give you a little um, note that hopefully you won't freak out about, but um, I have epilepsy and um, sometimes I pass out. If that, if that were to happen, we have Tina um, Macaretti here in the corner ready to come in and take over. Nobody ring an ambulance. I don't froth at the mouth. It just looks like a faint. So, as she did an hour and a half ago when we were debriefing at the cafe. Yeah, cafe too. Yeah, but in all my 17 years on stage, it has never happened. Mm. 
just what I let you know that. Okay. So after that, I also had a comb through Selena's prodigious CV, and I just want to add, add a few facts from that. So, but CV um, from earlier this year, so you'll probably have to add like about 10 things um, to, to each fact. So she has had poems published in 71 anthologies, academic texts and journals. She has taught 106 plus plus workshops, edited six publications, keynoted, chaired and emceed 35 plus plus events. Just saying one of them she welcomed Barack Obama at and has the selfie to prove it. <laughs> um, has done 32 school um, visits. She runs leadership courses. She performed as the Commonwealth Poet of 2016 for the Queen at Westminster Abbey. Um, she runs a household of three teenage boys and extended family on Waiheke Island. She commutes every day. She travels, travels around the world in the last month, twice to Europe, twice to Australia, and she told me, and don't forget the South Island. <laughs> and of course, she is our current Poet Laureate, which is no mean feat. She is one of the youngest. She is the first woman of colour and the first uh, Pacifica person to be Poet Laureate. Um, and I just wanted to read you a little quote from um, the poet Paula Green, who said... Honu Tufare and Sam Hunt are the two poets that are so beloved by our nation. I predict Selena is our third. Mm. So welcome, fast-burning woman. You're just and making me feel tired. I know. <laughs> oh, it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. So I'm going to talk for a little bit. So if you're going, why doesn't she shut up and just let Selena talk? There's a, you know, there's a whole reason. For it. Okay, so um, Selena and I talk a lot, and um, during one of our many talks, you know, she told me the, the story about Oprah, who um, at the age of about 12 heard Jesse Jackson speak, and he said, if you want to succeed as a person of colour, you have to be excellent all the time. And I think this is often true for women and doubly so if you're a woman of colour. Um, we've also talked about the, a possible antidote to this, which is we need to remind ourselves to be good enough. Just good enough. Not excellent, just good enough. But, you know, there's this hangover from feeling like we have to be excellent all the time and it throws up its own issues. We get so used to that that... Um, we get a bit of a skewed picture on what good enough actually is. And so a few weeks ago, we were talking on the phone and she was on Waiheke Island um, on the way home from a 16-hour day. And she was wondering why she was feeling so tired <laughs> with aching neck and shoulders and an oncoming migraine. And I said to her, it's because you work too much. And she said, I don't think I work that much. <laughs> so then we spent the rest of the conversation um, basically me telling her what she does. Constant multitasking. Things packed in so tightly that a festival for her is not just a festival. It is time to work on a writing project like her new graphic novel. Um, time to mark a stack of exams, to talk her kids through their exams um, over the phone. Um, and then there's the thinking about the work, sometimes in bed at three in the morning. There's the people dynamics around the work, also thinking about this at three o'clock in the morning. There's the travelling to and fro, the commute from Waiheke to Auckland, around the world, around the country. There's the mother guilt of leaving her three teenage boys at home regularly. 
there's the scheduling of pain management. So when she said, oh, I've got a, you know, I can feel this, this um, migraine coming on, I'll give myself 20 minutes to have a sleep and, yeah, go. And so we had to stop talking because then something urgent came up, which was, um, I think she got home and walked in the door and it was, Mum, what's for dinner? <laughs> so, you know, making the point that I think um, as people, as women, it's become so normalised that, um, that this is the way we have to work, you know? We're all expected to do it. We should just suck it up and soldier on. Or maybe we even have that, you work all the time and are super stressed? Well, listen to how much I work competition with our sister fast-burning woman. Mm. Um, so, do you want to do Working Mother's Guide? Sure, yeah. yeah. I just feel like crying now. <laughs> like, um, one of the one of my favourite poets is um, um, based in Austin, Texas. It's Austin Cleon, um, and he inspired me to do this kind of blackout poetry stuff. He's really, really cool, until <laughs> until he said some stupid thing like, you know, um, he was touring. His baby was just six weeks old. And he said, everyone should read 70 novels a year. <laughs> and he says this with a six-week-old baby across the country while he's touring. So I wrote this. <laughs> <laughs> the Working Mother's Guide to Reading 70 Books a Year. <laughs> Don't have the babies. Don't have a full-time job. Don't be working class. Don't be time poor and extended family rich. <laughs> if you did have the babies, don't let them play sports. <laughs> Definitely do not let them play an instrument. <laughs> Extramural activities increase peak hour traffic commuting time. Have a partner, but only if they don't mind not seeing you. <laughs> Definitely put a bookshelf in Nana's room to handle the overflow of washing, <laughs> not books. If you did need that full-time job, put your foot down and don't work past 5 p.m. Don't need much sleep. If you are working class, do read about all the reading working class people do like Jeanette Winterson, who hid 77 paperbacks under her ever-rising single-bed mattress until her torch-bearing mother spied an overhanging leaf which turned into a branch, which turned into a tree laden with leaves and leaves and leaves, which mother, doing God's gardening, pulled up by the roots, dragged into the midnight yard and lit. A bonfire of words and urds and urds and and As the smoke stung her eyes, Jeanette inhaled its burning kiss, vowing to commit the stories to memory then vowed one better, I'll write my own. Read at half time when the water boy runs on the field skipping. <laughs> Read one handed in line at countdown while lifting. <laughs> Read in the car waiting for the coach to finish his speech on quitting. <clears throat> Read in the kitchen while the crock pot's stewing. Read on the handbagged Kindle while it's charging. Read knowing it's not a competition. Read poetry, read creative non-fiction. And even if it takes you a whole year, 
read a novel. <laughs> so um, that's Selena's life. Just want to talk a little bit about mine. <laughs> Not about me, but we decided this was context. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I've had a lot of time to think um, about this because Selena's life was similar to the life I'd been living a couple of years ago when I was a full-time lecturer at MIT, a single mother in Auckland, no family support, working on a number of other projects, traveling for festivals, and then the final straw, losing my dad. So I had a physical burnout in March last year. That put me in bed for 18 months and all kinds of weird shit has been going on with my body, including a 40 kilo weight loss. Those of you who know me can see that, right? So no Weight Watchers or anything like that. Um, so, and despite that, um, when I wasn't actually bedridden, I still forced myself to work, um, often ending up in hospital, particularly when I had to travel. Um, so it's really taken me the last 18 months um, to come to terms with the life that I have um, and to see myself and my life more clearly um, and to see that basically overwork took me to this place. Um, and it's taken 18 months for my lens to understort and Selena and I have been through this whole journey together. Um, but it wasn't until a few months ago when my mental and emotional health also started failing that, um, that I actually stopped, um, that I actually started cancelling work and pulling out of things and saying no to things. Um, so that 18 months has been a huge revelation to me and, you know, one of, one of the reasons that, um, that um, you, you know, we, we're doing this is because I bet you a whole lot of people in the audience are somewhere, you know, going, amen, hallelujah, that, that's me. And, you know, Selena and I exist at opposite ends of the spectrum. You know, she is fast burning. I'm burnt out, you know. <laughs> so... I'm sure that you're somewhere, you can find yourself on that spectrum somewhere. Um, yeah, and behind you, you have this thing. Well, so the oddest thing happened um, in February 2016 when my son was um, going in for a shoulder reconstruction. And um, I had time and I forgot my laptop. So it was like, oh, far out. What? 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 <laughs> um, and I, Tusiata happened to ring, or I, I rang her, and we began this earbud relationship. Um, so I had earbuds in. I needed to walk out all that anxiety about my son. And we were talking, and um, and she said, what's going on? And I, I had just been reading Oprah's book, um, um, something like things, things everyone should know, or something, and um, I related to all these things that Oprah had put in place to manage her busy life, except for Gail. I could not relate to having a Gail in my life. I did not have time for a Gail. You know, they talk about your life being four burners, right? One burner being family, another being work, another being health another being friendships. And they say that to be successful at two of them, two other ones have to be turned down. To be uber successful, three other ones have to be turned down, right? So I had turned the friendship one right down because when I'm at home, I'm completely with family, extended family, from the five-year-old niece to the 19-year-old son, crazy household. And when I'm at work, I'm fully at work being, you know, a Pacifica poet scholar. 
So the friendship thing had run a little dry, and February 2016, Tusiata showed me that, well, she revealed to me my own kind of um, belief. Well, my brother had always taught me that you need to invest before you can receive, right? And I had distorted that and applied it to friendship. So unless, you know, the banking model for friendship, unless I managed to give you enough of my own quality time and energy, I couldn't call upon you. That wasn't reciprocal. Um, and Tusiata was in a different place in her life, and she was like, just ring anytime, whatever. If you've got two minutes, if you've got two hours, just, just give me a call. And when I discovered that I could talk and run at the same time, <laughs> hallelujah, <laughs> right? And so I, it does sound a bit weird, but it seemed so logical to me at the time. Because then I get to run and I go, I run like, you know, a pretty old person <laughs> because I'm enjoying the, you know, the journey. But, but 20 k's at a time. Yes, so, so I would be running kind of cliff tops on Waiheke Island and I'd call up to Siata and say, what you doing? She's like, I'm in bed. Can't get up this morning, can't get up today, but I'm in bed, what are you doing? And we began fostering this really weird earbud relationship um, where I suddenly realised after a year and a half that I had my gale. <laughs> <laughs> but moving on. <clears throat> um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just want to say, you're not Oprah. <laughs> I'm a person of my own right. <laughs> but it's a beautiful story. You know, okay. it's an analogy. It's an analogy. <laughs> Sorry, that was just my ego talking. So. <laughs> so I... An amazing thing has happened. And yes... Well, I'm not talking about the Poet Laureateship, but that... Yes, absolutely amazeballs when it was announced um, in August last year that I would be the 11th Poet Laureate, the fifth woman, the second youngest, and the first Pacifica Poet Laureate. And I think my burning is not just due to my aberrant personality. It's the fact that when I put on my graduation gown and stumbled into being a role model as the first person of Pacifica descent to graduate from an English department in this country in 2005, I suddenly found myself wearing the mantle of representation for several large communities. And it is both that um, it is an obligation and a responsibility that I take very seriously. So kind of to, to, to show you a little bit of that, I want to share my acceptance speech that I gave in August last year with you. When I was handed this beautiful Māori, well, not this one, I was handed the parent toko toko. Um, when each poet laureate is instated, they are presented with the mātua toko toko. It um, usually is displayed behind a glass case at the National Library. I got to keep it until my one was made by Homoana artist Jacob Scott, who was the son of renowned artist John Scott, or architect John Scott, and they belong to Matahiwi Marae. And with the help of John Buck from the gorgeous Temata Winery Estate, New Zealand has a poet laureateship. We are the only country in the world to award their poets laureate with a toko toko. And it has become my mission to get the story of the toko toko out there. Um, and this morning, while I was running through gorgeous Hagley Park in the freezing wind, um, <laughs> this poem came to me actually. <clears throat> The beginning of one. Toko toko, toko toko, on the wall. Who's the fairest poet of the world? 
that name? Who's the fairest poet of them all? Not me. I'm brown. <laughs> and we don't hang toko toko on the wall, store them in the broom cupboard or display them in the hall. We hold ours firmly, use them to walk, read their story. They help us to talk. That's why I run as well, right, for inspiration. So here's my acceptance speech. I accept this award on behalf of the 10-year-old at St. Joseph's or Tahahu who found a word to rhyme with monocle. <laughs> I accept this award on behalf of writers in schools whose powers are bionicle. <laughs> There's Paula Morris, another writer in school. I accept this award on behalf of Pacifica peoples whose brown faces aspire to higher places. I accept this award on behalf of women whose hypothetical babies are born during political races. <laughs> I accept this award on behalf of working class who press against windows of privilege. I accept this award on behalf of tangata whenua. Without land, you know it takes a village. I accept this award on behalf of those for whom poetry induces vomit. I will woo you with haiku, <laughs> rhyming, couplet, poetry, slam, and sonnet. I accept this award on behalf of Mum, who spoke no English when she came here from Samoa. As her daughter, I accept the award of New Zealand Poet Laureate. Quite poetic, don't you think, Aotearoa? Thank you. <laughs> so go on about the Toko Toko Tale. So the miraculous, wonderful thing is that while I've been going around the place, telling the tale of the Toko Toko, I hadn't realised how it was also telling me. Has anyone read Anne Morrow Lindbergh's tiny memoir, Gifts from the Sea, published in 1956? That and this is Lindbergh's wife, famous transatlantic traveller, and that book just blew me away. And in it, Anne takes a walk on the beach. She doesn't talk about her famous husband or their famous exploits together as a couple. She picks up four shells and with a poetic eye begins to read these shells and they speak into her life. And in speaking into her life in very specific ways, they spoke to everyone. And it was a bestseller at the time. I see it as a feminist, universalist tract. And so it was with the Toko Toko. It is no coincidence that I am the 11th Poet Laureate, and the Toko Toko comprises of 11 parts, which enable me to travel with it, right? And it occurred to me that the Toko Toko was telling me how to hold the fire without burning out, without burning out. And so over a period of three and a half weeks, I went into this cave and wrote 30,000 words of a poetic memoir called Toko Toko Tales. 
And it just started telling me and reminding me of some essential truths about how I can do what I do and yet not burn out. One of them being that it's got a rubber foot, which keeps me from slipping when I walk along with it. And um, when I was in a conversation with Jacob Scott, um, and he talks to all the laureates, because he wants to carve something that reflects their unique poetic identity. And because I'm a little bit of a micromanager, I said to Jacob, can I, can I bring your stuff? Can I, can I help you, help me? <laughs> and he just said, look, just see what comes your way. And the following week, I went to Samoa for a conference, and I had dinner with His Highness Tuia Tua Tupua Tamasese. And I showed him the parent tokotoko that I had in my possession. I said, my own one is being made. And I said, what does this mean for you? Now, His Highness is the preeminent scholar of pre-colonial Samoan belief systems. And he said, well, of course, Samoans have the to'oto. And the tula fale, or the talking chief, holds the to'oto while they speak. And the thing about the to'o is that it is how it sounds. It's got the o'o. And it keeps the speaker's heel to the earth. And when His Majesty said that, I thought, oh, you're, you're, to keep my heel to the earth, that's, that's kind of what I'm getting into. I joined the Waiheke Island Trail Tribe of Runners and we run and massage Papa Tuanuku's spine in a way that I've never experienced running before. And I'm running in community, and I'm running barefoot, and I'm running literally heel to the earth. Wow, that just affirmed that. And His Highness said, and the, the second thing that the Tulafale or the talking chief has is the fuwe or the orator's fly whisk. And while the orator speaks, he punctuates his speech with these ritualistic sweeps of the air. And I said to his highness, well, why does he do that? And he said, to shoo away the flies. <laughs> yeah, he's that kind of king. <laughs> And he said, both real and imaginary. Any ill spirit that might prevent the orator's message from being received. And so I'm writing a story about how I might do the same thing. And Tusiata and I often talk about one of those flies for me being the good girl syndrome the basis of which is simply, am I enough? Am I enough? And it's something that audiences everywhere I've gone have resonated with. Over to you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, we started this session by talking about everything we have to do, you know, and um, how full your life is. Some would say a little bit insane. Um, so we thought we might come back to, well, how do we cope then? You know, like how do we stop from burning out? How do we not end up how I ended up? And um, so we thought we might talk about some of those things, right? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, um, so I'm with the New Zealand Book Council, I'm part of their Writers in Schools program, and I refer to it in the poem. But I'm, I'm booked up. Next two years, I'm booked up. <laughs> Except when I went to the Marlborough Literary Festival, someone in the audience heard me obsess about trail running. So I get an email from Marlborough Girls High, and they say, we're wondering if you're interested in the Marlborough Marathon next year in May. And like, I was like, oh. And they said they'd like to host me for the, the marathon run. 
and if I could just visit the school. <laughs> and I said, I would love to accept the invitation, but I need 11 girls to run with me to help carry the toko toko. Haven't heard back from them. <laughs> yet, 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 yet. So, you know, we've talked a bit about um, our relationship and um, we had quite an emotional talk. Well, it was emotional for me. I don't know what it was like for you the other day about... I'm a um, rock. <laughs> about, you know, what we do for each other. And, you know, we, we talk nearly every day. Sometimes we could talk five times a day. Sometimes it's for two minutes, like at the beginning of this. Sometimes it's for two hours. Um, so we're constantly checking in with each other. And one thing that we're able to do, because we have some real similarities in that we're perfectionists, we push ourselves hard, we, um, and we struggle with some of the same things. And so we're able to feel compassion for each other we are able to encourage each other in a way that we can't often do for ourselves. Mm. So when, um, when Selena is, is telling me about, you know, some part of her life or career that's really expecting too much from her, I'm able to go, that's bullshit, you know, mm. And, you know, let's think about this and this and this and this and this. Because I'm outside. I love her, but I'm outside of her. Mm. And I don't have, um, I don't have all the, the self-worth self demons to fight with, you know. So I can do that for her. And way more difficult to do it for myself. You know, way more difficult. But vice versa. You know, so that's a it's a massive um, support. Mm. You know, it's a massive to'o to'o for both of us. Mm. Yeah, mm. and e even giving that um, sense of self reflection. So, um, I was on the phone and I said, "Oh, I think I'm getting another migraine," and she said, "You just had one." I went, "No, I didn't." I, you know, she goes, "When do you think you last had a migraine?" And I went, oh, wasn't it about like a year ago? And she goes, you had one last month, and then you had one two weeks before that. So she was tracking them in a way that I, I, I'm not good at tracking them. So I began tracking them and seeing the pattern. And I just needed that kind of objective eye, that caring eye, to just point that out. But I think, you know, in really tangible ways, we um, we give each other or or kind of sharpen up each other's life skills, and we've got some emails. Let's do the emails to read out yeah. because you know it's often in composing emails. Oh, I'm just I'm useless. I really am. The good girl syndrome takes over, mm. and um, so I recently did something for um, a big corporate. Um, Corporate company, well, I corporation, don't know what corporation, <laughs> <laughs> a big corporate corporation, and and the the wonderful thing that I've stumbled on is that get the corporates to pay for the free stuff, right, and strategize that way so everyone ends up happy. <laughs> so um, the corporate big big corporate guy contacts me, um, emails me, says. Um, We'd like you to come in and speak and inspire our executive team, 62 of them. Um, 29th of March, are you fine with that? I said, yep, I can do that. Thanks for giving me all this notice. That's great. Okay. Then he rings up last week and he says, well, just checking that you've got everything you need. I'm like, oh, he's so organized. He goes, okay, see you next week. And so he had mixed up March with August. <laughs> And I was in Wellington. I was Wellington um, at doing a project. I'd planned on carving out a whole day of writing and mentoring with a young Ni Vanuatu writer and then flying on to Christchurch. Now I had to cancel that day 
fly back up to Auckland, do the gig, fly back down to, you know, and it was, I was going through this with Tusiata and she said, if you go back to the island, you are adding six hours of transportation to your life. And you will walk in the door at 10.30 at night to see nobody, to get up at five in the morning to catch the six o'clock boat, to get back out to the airport to, you know, and when she laid it out, I just thought, that's, that's, that's too much, you know, but I was going to do it because I didn't know there was another way. And so we together compiled this email, which I sent off. It took us 45 minutes, by the way, to, to, to compile this. Talofa John, feels like we just missed a freight train. Now that the dust has settled, the reality of doing a Tuesday event in Wellington, then a Wednesday event in Auckland, followed by a Thursday event in Christchurch, means that I need to conserve my energy. To save me six hours of travel for your unexpected event, it's practical for me to spend Wednesday night at the Novotel Airport Hotel. I'd appreciate if your company would cover this. Looking forward to working with you all on Wednesday, Manuia Selena. <laughs> to ask for that hotel took 40 minutes of like, oh, am I worth it? Are they paying? Are they going to pay? Anyway, so this is the email that was in my head, in both our heads, that we didn't send. Oh, you put the beginning. <laughs> you put the beginning. <clears throat> Talo for John. Feels like I've just been run over by a freight train. <laughs> I'm so sorry that you made a mistake <laughs> and expected me to run your workshop seven months earlier <laughs> than you organised with me and only gave me one week's notice. All that fight, flight, adrenal rush when I realised I needed to be in two places at once. Woohoo! <laughs> Although this adds an extra six hours of travel for me, it's okay. It's probably good for me to lug myself and my bags through airport, bus and ferry twice over, especially because I won't have time for my scheduled self-care of yoga and strength training anyway. It's okay. It's good for me to stretch myself in other ways. Who can't run three events in three cities in three days? <laughs> And organise the 18-year-old's birthday, his last, before leaving home in three months. It's also fine that I now have to prepare your workshop instead of sleeping. <laughs> it's fine that I also have to prepare your workshop instead of mentoring an Indigenous writer. Indigenous people are used to waiting anyway. <laughs> and I don't sleep anymore. It's just self-indulgence, I guess. <laughs> but I wonder if it's not too much trouble to ask you, not in a demanding way, <laughs> if you don't mind, that is, for bus and ferry fare, and maybe a pie to keep me going. <laughs> what are your thoughts on this? <laughs> Actually, I'm fine with just the fairy fear. <laughs> or even just the pie. <laughs> you know, I'm a runner and a swimmer, so I'm sure the extra exercise will be good for me in the long run. I'm so incredibly grateful to be running your workshop. You are a huge national corporation. So, of course, I'm thrilled to turn myself inside out for you at the drop of a hat. Thank you so much for spending your precious time to consider this. I know you are so much more important than me. And I really hope you don't get angry or feel disappointed in me for my requests. Manuia, your humble servants. <laughs> and again, sorry for the inconvenience. <laughs> Selena, Tusiata, and all of us struggling with our sense of worth. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
And then when I reread the email that we did, I did it, we did actually send, again I thought, too much explaining. Too much explaining. So this is what I'll send next time. <laughs> Talofa John, glad we caught that mistake. To accommodate this, my schedule requires a night at the Novotel Airport. Thanks for covering this. We'll add it to my invoice. Best, Selena. <laughs> So we don't want to stint on um, question time, but um, in about the two minutes we've got left, so Selena, what are some of the ways that you look after yourself, that you stop from burning out? Mm -hmm. Well, I've been writing and writing through and open to the wisdom that the tokotoko is telling me. So for, for me, movement, movement has been vital, right? And discovering yoga at, through YouTube, but you know, I can take it with me wherever I go. But discovering um, yoga, movement of body, running, movement of mind, and actually creativity. It's like um, reaching a point where I feel like, oh, I can actually do things in the way that I really want to do them. And Maya Angelou's definition of success is never far from my mind. And she defines success as liking who you are, liking what you do, and liking how you do it. And so it is incredibly exhausting when you do stuff in a way that isn't true to your authentic self. But even when I'm really busy, if I'm doing it in flow in my authentic self, I get back the energy, mm. right? Um, but vitally, it's also been to have kale. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, she dominates the conversations, but just to have someone... Gail's... <laughs> Gail's never on TV. <laughs> Come on. I'm too breathy just breathing. I listen to her a lot, a lot. <laughs> but just having someone to offload to and to have someone just to give you another perspective on a situation and to sound out even what might seem the most trivial things. So it's what I didn't, what we didn't say is after that 45 minute email, John gets back and goes, sweet. <laughs> And, and yesterday she's like, do you think I should charge the $56 dinner to him? <laughs> and I'm like, yes, he won't care. But he see, won't care. But, but if, if I, it was me, I'd be, I'd be doing the same thing. See, but knowing that I could quickly call up to Seattle and say, do you think I should? And she's like, duh. You know, and then hang up, do it, charge it. It was awesome. So just to have that sounding board has been incredibly, incredibly vital in keeping sane and juggling things. And everyone needs one. And, <clears throat> and it's not a conventional relationship. Like, I'm actually not used to seeing you in person. I know. <laughs> it freaks me out every time I see you. <laughs> because I'm sure that I'm as tall as you are. And like, she's like that much taller than me. And I'm, I'm just not used to that. Yeah. So I know it's always kind of bandied about find support, find support. But, you know, when I was able to redefine what support means for me and my life and have it feed into my life in all its quirky ways, that's when I really found support, you know. Yeah. Um, I just thought of a new income stream. <laughs> I could rent myself out as a gale. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so, um, yeah, we'll just... So, so Tusiata, um, how do you look after yourself? Well... Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm going to do this in 30 seconds. Um, meditation. You spend 18 months in bed, you get really good at meditation. <laughs> yeah, really key for me. And um, one of my best 
meditation practices is just to stop for four seconds and just breathe in and breathe out. And I've started doing this thing now. You didn't do it. We were no, both experiment. supposed to do it. We both. I don't get yeah, texted. We had an I've well, cut every, every unnecessary text out of my life. People still ring you. Anyway, um, so the, the idea was that every time um, uh, I received a text, instead of answering it, I would just spend three seconds. And it just, that is, that's my meditation, you know. You don't have to be doing the big, um, you know, thing. I do that too, you know, don't get me wrong. But, you know, just that practice before I answer, like everyone gets a million texts a day, just is really grounding, takes my stress levels right down. And, you know, going with my body's dictates. Um, Selena was reading the Stoics a while ago and, you know, we we both, um, we both, if I'm into something, she'll pick it up if she's into something or have a look at it. And one of the Stoics said something along the lines of, accept whatever's happening as if you chose it. Mm. And that's been a big revelation mm. to me, to accept all of this business mm. as if I chose it. Mm. You know, like mm. I really didn't bloody like this. <laughs> I spent an hour, I spent a year in bed shaking my fist at the universe going, that's not fair. Mm. But, you know, accept it as if you chose it. Mm. Okay. So, your turn. Questions? No? Okay. <laughs> Let's do a dance. <laughs> oh, along the lines of what you were saying, um, I can tell that your fun now is very precious to you. How do you manage the precious times that you have with your fun now when all the commitments that you have and you know you want to prioritise something that's really important for them. Yeah. I don't know how to do that. I find it really hard. Yeah. I, you know, I found that if I, if I don't set my boundaries, the world just will want everything. So that is exactly the reason why I'm getting on the four o'clock plane this afternoon, because I have said that weekends are family time. And if I'm in New Zealand, I will be home by Friday night and spend the weekend with my boys. So at least they know that that's there. Um, and it's amazing how the guilt kind of has, has been halved just because I know I've got that insight. And it means overcoming, is it FOMO? MoFo, not mother. <laughs> <laughs> FOMO, MoFo. It's FOMO, right? Fear of missing out. You've got to deal with that because, you know, and, and my 18-year-old leaving um, at the end of the year has really brought that into sharp relief. Like, oh, my God. You were just, I just birthed you, you know, and you're going. So it's been a, it's, you, you have to design your own life, pre think your boundaries and then stick to them. Well, I don't even ring her in the weekends. No. Because, you know, that's her sacred yeah. family time. And when I'm with them, I'm not on the phone with anyone else. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm taking them. This is the first year because my husband's always said, you can't just split the family up. Like, if I go travelling, he wanted me to take all the boys. I was like, how's that fair? <laughs> <laughs> but this year, I've split them up, and the, each of them are coming overseas with me. So I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah. Thank you. Any other questions? One over here. Why a, a graphic novel at this time? Yeah, oh, awesome question. Um, because you know how I said success is liking what you, who you are, what you do, and how you do it? I've always doodled. Spike Milligan is my idol. It is his 100th anniversary this year, the 100th anniversary of his birth. Bad Jelly the Witch is in my DNA. Because when I read that book, as we all did, right, when he wrote and drew, we wrote his own text and drew the pictures, my whole world changed. It made it, like, accessible to me. And if my mandate is to take the story of the laureateship out to communities that don't usually have access, then I'm going to want to go into schools. And so I'm writing, I've finished a graphic mini memoir, and it's called... 
mop head to poet laureate. <laughs> because that's what they used to call me at school. And again, it's no coincidence <laughs> that I should now be the possessor, the kaitiaki, the guardian of this amazing tokotoko. So that story is in graphic form for kids and adults. Yeah, thanks. Look out for it in March. <laughs> Anyone else? Just behind, just behind you, sorry. Just uh, wondering, with this change of date this week, did you consider just saying, sorry, other plans? You, you got the date wrong. <laughs> what? <laughs> um, no, because it was going to be too helpful for a number of other things. Big money. <laughs> <laughs> Novatel. <laughs> <laughs> Tusiata, I wondered how has your um, illness affected your writing? Um, I haven't done as much. Yes, well, actually, have. I didn't do much writing at all for probably the first year because I was just buggered. But in the last um, in the last number of months, I've started writing again. Um, yeah, I haven't written so much about the illness, um, but I've written about, I'm working on a new book. So, yay for me, yay for And Gail. because you're in bed a lot, she has the most vivid dreams. Like, it took her five Ks of my running to tell me about this <laughs> sex dream. Oh, you're gonna go there. <laughs> Okay, okay, wow. <laughs> I ran fast and hard. <laughs> <gasps> it was a good one. It was a good one. I was interested to hear that you have um, published in the Ukraine. How, how do you, the countries choose you? And is it... Yes, yeah. yes. Who, who, um, Croc Publishers had um, seen a clip of mine on YouTube and invited me to come to the Ukraine Literary Festival and they, they're trying to build up their creative core again and, and, and invite international writers in. And so I stayed at the publisher's house, which was like a four-storey, um, house, multi-generational. It was the most amazing experience. And he was so kind. And we tried to um, translate into Ukraine, fast-talking PI, because he just loved the chant. And um, his uncle bought some Samo Honka over, which, like, I was just like, Samo and Honky? That must be, like, <laughs> something's... But it's homemade vodka. <laughs> And so after four and a half hours from 10 till 2, then his grandmother came down and said, suggested we need to go to sleep. Um, we finally decided it could not be translated. And I, so I gave him full permission to just be inspired by it and go write his own version. It was really difficult, but a really rich um, collaboration. And the book came out from Croc Publishers. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm going to bring the question time to an end okay. because I don't want Rachel to smack me over the hand because she's, is she here? She's, she's, oh, oh, good. We can, <laughs> we can talk for another hour. No, I'm just joking. Um, so um, I would just like to thank everybody for coming. And one thing that I forgot to do at the beginning is to acknowledge the mana whenua of Otautahi. Ngai Tuahuriri, um, on whose land we stand. Um, that's really important. And yeah, and just to thank you all for joining. Um, what's yes. your name again? <laughs> Oprah. Gail. Thank for, for joining Oprah and I today. <laughs> it's been, um, been a blast. Ah, oh, yes, there is.
I am epileptic, you know. Um, so there is a book signing in the foyer. You can buy the books. Come touch the talk talk. At the Come UBS, the you can run your hands mm. through Selena's hair. <laughs> um, you're not doing any more sessions. No, I'm hopping on a plane. Yeah, that's mm. right. However, just in case you're looking for another couple of good ones, today at six o'clock there is Comfortable in My Skin, Queer People of Colour, which will be awesome. Um, chaired by Victor Roger with Georgina Bayer and um, Sonia Renee Taylor and two fabulous people from Fat Square. And on Sunday, I will be chairing Sonia Renee Taylor and The Body Is Not An Apology. Don't miss it. It will be awesome. She is a phenomenal, phenomenal woman. Okay. Yay! Yay. <laughs>